Like I was saying, this is probably the second, third, or fourth time I've tried to preach this message. I'm not sure why. Um, something else happened each time, but <laughs> we'll see. But it, uh, God has a lot to say about the way we talk in our words. And I want to share some verse with you. I need a drink first. Let me share a few verses here. There's many verses in the Old Testament and New Testament are words. And 1 Peter 3.10 says, He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Colossians 3.8 says, But now... You yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. James 1.19 I understand this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and to get angry. James 1.26 Those who consider themselves religious... This is the good type of religious, <laughs> all right, and, do, and yet does not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. And there's many, many, many. I, I've never counted. I don't know how many there are. There's probably hundreds, I'm guessing, because Proverbs alone has so many on what we say and things like that. Well, listen, here's a few quotes I found online about our words and things. It says, raise your word, not your voice. It is the rain that grows flowers, not thunder. I thought that was pretty cool. It's anonymous. I don't know who said it, but raise your word, not your voice. It is the rain that grows flowers, not thunder. Another one. The tongue has no bones, but, it, but is strong enough to break a heart. So be careful with your words. That one's also unknown. And another one. Uh, one kind word can change someone's entire day. An entire day. Someone just says, man, I like your shirt. Do you know, you probably can, you probably can think of Weeks since the last time someone said something like that to you. And that's pretty sad. Because it might, if a guy said to you, they might think they're flirting or whatever reason they don't say it or they're, they're so busy with their own self. We don't just say, man, I like your boots or I like your shoes or you got new glasses? I really like those. We're so sometimes focused on our own lives and what we're going through. We don't just take the time to stop and just give someone a nice word. Your words have power. You think of even, go, I just looked at Missy, made me think of just uh, school. How the power of the, your words, of a teacher's words, have on your life. That some of you can remember words your teacher said, good and bad, from when you were in elementary school. Even though elementary school was a long time ago, somehow those words still carried life and power to you all, that, all this time. Um, Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of our tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. You know, uh, you know this basically means... Whichever one we love the most is the one we're going to eat, is the one we're going to partake of. And it also, what it's really saying here is the way you speak is the way you're going to experience life. Now, I know some people might think, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought God sovereignly chose what kind of life we have and all these kind of things. And, you know, God did sovereignly choose the season you were going to be born, your parents and what country and all that kind of thing where you're going to be born. But the quality and the experience of your life, the Bible says, in the power of your tongue. It is. Now, if we really believe that, what would our life be like? 
I think sometimes we've seen people use their tongues, even in church, in a, maybe a greedy way or a self-centered way, or we perceived it that way. Maybe it wasn't, maybe we just perceived it that way. And then we get offended, like, uh, I don't know if I want to go there. Or, or maybe we're taking these verses too far, but, but are we really? Can we really take the Word of God too far? I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But let's see. Uh, really, being power in our words shouldn't really surprise us because we were created in the image of God, the all-powerful one who spoke the world into existence. He spoke, and everything came to be. Think he spoke, and land, trees, water, and sky just came into being out of nothing. It's like, hmm, let there be trees. Okay. Everything responds to it. Can you imagine? <laughs> just like, that been a fun day. When he spoke, let the sun, moon, and stars, he just spoke, and boom, they're just set in place. These big planets and the solar system galaxies and stuff that man has not even seen yet. Like, why did God make it? Because if you can't even see it. Well, you know why? Because he can. <laughs> and he spoke and it's still happening. It's still, it's, creation is still going on. That was the big bang theory right there. God spoke and boom, everything was. They're seeing it scientifically. They just can't understand it. Anyway, he spoke in every fish, every species of fish, every, every type of bird or animal, every type. We just were at, I hate to say this. I'm a little, shame, a little shame, but I was at Disney <laughs> after all the stuff I said about it, but Holly and Lauren really wanted to go. So anyway, I went again, and uh, we were at Animal Kingdom, and I'm looking at all the different species of the birds and all the different types of, like, I don't know what kind of cattle-type things and different antlers and stuff, and all those were formed, boom, out of a breath of imagination. And poof, I don't think he said that there be this type of cow, that type of cow. He just said, let there be, boom, and they all were. I mean, just amazing. And the creative power and force in God, God put that in you when he breathed his breath into you, when he put his spirit into you, the creative power of life and creativity and all the things he breathed into you. But the problem is we haven't believed it. We haven't believed it. We just, we just think We've heard different things on the sovereignty of God and everything in our life came from God. Everything happens for a reason, all these kind of things. Sometimes the reason is that we're stupid. It's not God's sovereignty. And sometimes the reason is we don't believe the word of God. Sometimes the reason is because we are our own worst enemies. We're, we shoot ourselves in the foot. People self-sabotage themselves. God was ready to promote them from a job and boom, they blow it on their own, sometimes intentionally. And then we, how can you call that the sovereignty of God? You know, God doesn't have any type of failure in his DNA. It just isn't there. So life and death and the power of our words, and those that love it eat its fruit. So um, if basically, if you don't like how your life looks right now, maybe you need to change what you're saying. I'm speaking to me too. I, don't, I, I have not perfected this, but I feel like there's a new increasing revelation coming in my heart of Maybe God really means this. And uh, I heard Steve, I can't remember the last time we were doing his confessions, Backlin. Um, we've been doing his confessions, the 30-day challenge. Some of you guys have been doing those conf confessions. Him say, do you, you have to wait till an apple tree has apples before you can call it an apple tree? You know, even if that apple tree never produced one apple its whole life, and you had, he said you had a funeral service for it, and you buried that apple tree, and it died. Never did have an apple on it. Would that not still be an apple tree? Then why do you have to wait to see fruit to declare the things God said about you? 
If he said this is who you are, that's who you are. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter if you had fruit on it yet, if the apple isn't growing yet, if the orange or grapefruit isn't growing yet, that doesn't matter yet. If God said it's who you are, we come into agreement with what he said, and we say what he says, and we see what he's, what he's saying. You know, we really don't, sometimes don't see this about God, that he's the God who calls those things that be not as though they were. That's the God who created you. And in Mark eleven twenty four, it talks about you can have what you say, but the problem is people have been saying what they have instead of, instead of saying what God's telling them to say. We have to be in agreement with God if we're going to walk with God. Now, I'm telling you, uh, some people probably don't like this message because they don't like having personal accountability over their life. They want to have somebody to blame. They want to blame their parents. They want to blame God. They want to blame whatever. And those things are a factor. They are. They just are a factor. But you know what? If you make them a bigger factor than God, then you've made an idol. And this, this, this thing that's restricting you is greater than the God that's in you. It's, it, you can't grow past this state because you didn't go to college. or You, didn't, you can't go past it because you didn't have this education or this kind of money. Your parents were like this or you grew up over here or that. or you were, you were born in a certain way that caused you to have some kind of disqualification or something was against you in that. And you know what? When we come into agreement with those, with those lies, it limits the Holy One of Israel in your life. You are limited. I am limited by my own imagination and my beliefs. My beliefs. I believe, okay? So um, now some of you might think, am I taking this too far? Well, let me show you what the book of James says. And you, can, you, have, you have your right to have your own opinion about it anyway. I'm not trying to change that. I'm just trying to show you what the word says. James 3, 1 through 12. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or mature man, able also to bridle, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Let me look at verse 3 here again. Indeed, we put bits in the, in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. What's in the horse's mouth controlled the direction the horse was going in. This whole thing, the ship, the horse, it's all talking about what's in your mouth controls the direction of your life. You know, uh, you, you know I, uh, I've rode horses a few times, and uh, most of the time it was pleasant. A couple of times it wasn't so pleasant. Um, the first, I remember the first time, I, I grew up around horses. My grandmother had horses. My neighbor had horses. My best friends, their mother had horses and stuff. So I was around them quite a bit, went to horse shows and that, but I, wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself an expert rider. I, was, I, I would say average to maybe, maybe a little bit above average, somewhere in there, but not an expert. And my first time, I was elementary school, I remember that. And the lady got me to get up on this big old horse. It was huge compared to me. And she didn't adjust the, um, the stirrups, the leg things, right, the stirrups. And I couldn't fit my feet in there. And so we're riding on this horse, and I'm like falling off this way, and I'm falling off that way, and the facts were going. I'm like, well, I didn't really enjoy that ride too much. And other times I went on, when I could reach, you get your feet to brace yourself when you're going, you know, I, it was much more enjoyable. Well, another time, uh, this later in high school, I went back to, this, to summer camp, and this same lady was my instructor and the one in charge of the horses and stuff. And because she remembered me over the years, she just assumed that I was a really good rider, and I was average. Uh, you know, and uh, so anyway, she put me on this horse, and this horse wasn't totally broken yet. Um, yeah, 
There's a big difference between a horse that's broken and one that's not. And this horse wasn't broken yet, and she put me on it. I think I was the last horse in the line. There was like probably 10, 12 horses line. We're on an island. We're going around the island on this, just, just trotting along this little trail. And uh, well, this horse was pretty stubborn. At first, he's following along like normal. I'm just like, oh, this is nice and easy. I didn't even think about it. And she didn't tell me the horse wasn't broken. She didn't tell me that. She just said, hey, you get on this one. I was like, okay. So after a while, this horse started trying to go this way and that way. I'm jerking this way. I'm trying to jerk him back that way. And he's definitely more, more powerful than me. And I'm pulling, and he's jerking his head around. I'm kind of kicking him in the side a bit and squeezing a bit, trying to get him to comply. He's not wanting to comply. Next thing you know, he takes off the trail, and he's just running through this big field. And he's going full speed, and he's not responding to anything. And he's, he's heading to the trees. He's trying to run my leg into a tree to knock me off. He didn't want me on there anymore, I guess. He didn't like me. And so, uh, thank God, I jumped off the horse, and I wasn't hurt, and we caught him later when he calmed down, because he's on an island. But horses are very powerful, but when they're broken, they can be controlled even by a small little girl. Can you put that first picture up there for me? I think we have the PowerPoint there. You didn't find it? It's in this, it's in the, well, it was in the thing from two weeks ago, I know, because I was... Or three weeks ago, I guess it was, if you can't find it. We'll work on that while I'll share, because there's horse pictures and there's also some uh, pictures of boats I have. But, you know, the rider has a lot to do with the obedience of the horse. A more experienced rider, like if Gerald Arthur was on that same horse, maybe he could have got that horse to not run off in the woods like that. Maybe, I don't know what he would have done. Maybe he would have had spurs on, who knows. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that horse did not want to listen to me. A more experienced rider maybe may have that, but also a tamed horse, or one that's broken, you can easily control where they go, just with a little little pull this. A little girl, I had pictures of a little tiny girl uh, walking this horse around, and this horse is massive. Another horse I have a picture of on there, if we find it, his name uh, is a Belgian horse named Big Jake. You guys ever hear of Big Jake? He's a, he was officially the largest horse in the world. In 2010, uh, he was the tallest horse, over seven feet tall, when he was born, he weighed nearly 240 pounds when he was born, 50 pounds more than the average of his breed. That's a big horse, right? Uh, so even though this horse is so big, uh, a small child could take that horse. He was gentle as anything. He could lead him around, take him wherever he wanted to go, and um, it's just amazing. So um, the rider can dictate where the horse goes. You know, when we're broken to our own flesh, to our own desires, and we're yielding to what God wants to do in our life, and He's got the bridle in our mouths, it isn't just there to get you not to say bad words. It isn't there just to help you not to lie and things like that. The bridle in our mouth is to help us speak the Word of God. And when we're broken and we're yielded to God, He can lead us anywhere He wants to, just gently. If he pops, pops up, tell me. I keep thinking I see something with the horse. But anyway, um, lead us wherever we want to go when we're yielded to him. I think a lot of times we've been taught what not to say and not necessarily taught what to say. Growing up, I know they, they said, uh, don't say gosh, you know, because that sounds too much like God. Because that's really what you mean. You really mean this. So like, that's really what I mean? I didn't know I meant that. Like, oh, oh I can't say that. And don't say heck, because heck really means hell. And so you can't say that, like, oh, I can't say that, like, all right. And don't say darn, because it really means the other one. And there's, like, probably, I don't know, hundreds of these things you can't say because they might mean something else. Like, well, who wrote the code book? I don't know. I'm just a little kid. I'd like, I don't know. 
and I'm taught all these things I can't say, and I don't say this and don't say that and whatever. And uh, I think sometimes we're taught so much, you know, not to lie, not to steal, not to be mean to people, not to say mean, cruel things. And, that, and those are all good things. We shouldn't do those things. But I think sometimes we're not taught what we should say. What, what should we say instead? Like when a, when a parent someone says, don't say that. Like, okay, well, what do I say? Any, anything else? Oh, okay. And you're just like, anything else? What, what do I say? I don't know. I, I got nothing. I'm blank right now. I can't think of anything. Um, so we need to teach ourselves and be taught by the Lord, what should we be saying? Because I believe God, I believe God is smarter than uh, Elon Musk, definitely smarter than Bill Gates, and <laughs> just kidding. but other, definitely smart, he's smarter than everybody. And if this is the way that he wants us to walk in, if this is the way that will produce life in us, maybe we should yield like the horse yields and walk with him and, and trust what he wants to say. So did you find any of those things yet? Uh, you look on the program for the Sunday before Easter. I'm pretty sure it was that Sunday. It was that Sunday we had the fire angel visit, I think. Oh, okay. Okay, well, everyone here knows what that's like. Uh, we've all had computer issues, haven't we? So uh, the second example is the ship. Uh, James 3, 4 says, Look also at the ship. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, I had this picture, it may or may not come up, of the Titanic. And the Titanic was, of course, made, was finished in 1912. And at the time, it was the largest ship in the world. This thing was massive. It was the largest ship ever built, even, at the time. The Titanic is, was 882 feet long by 92 and a half feet wide. So that's almost three football fields long and one football field wide. This is a, you know, a massive ship. From the bottom of the hull to the top of the smokestacks, it was 175 feet tall, or almost 17 stories tall. That's big. Uh, when it was fully loaded, it weighed more than 52,000 tons <laughs> floating on water. It's amazing, right? So uh, even though this ship is so large, it's steered by a very small, um, very small rudder. And I wish you could see the picture. I have a picture of the rudder. The Titanic's rudder was 78 feet and 8 inches um, high and 15 feet 3 inches deep and weighed over 100 tons. But it's relatively small compared to you know, three football fields long and a football field wide. Uh, I had a picture of it, and it's like massive, right? And there's this guy standing down there. He looks like an ant compared to this, you know, uh, well, what I say was 78 feet <laughs> tall rudder. So... And today, we have, much, we have ships that are a lot bigger than that. We have ships like carnival ships and things like that. They're two, three, four times bigger, taller, much bigger than that. But they're all still controlled by the rudder. Verse uh, 4 says, Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So it shows here that waves are a factor. Winds are a factor in our life as well. Both are very powerful, but the ship is still going to go in the direction the rudder tells it to go. In your life, you're going to face winds, you're going to face storms, you're going to face some of these challenges, but your ship will still go in the direction of your rudder. Your ship will still go in the direction of your tongue. It will go. That's what it's supposed to do. 
what's in the mouth of the horse controls the horse's direction, and what's controlling the, the ship controls the ship. And what controls you is your tongue. Look at James uh, 3, the rest of this section. It says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest uh, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is, is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or of reptile and a creature of the sea is tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. The main point of James 3, those verses I read, was our tongues direct the course of our lives. And um, I think that should be a revelation. It can be scary. But at the same time, it's, I, I feel like it's meant to be from God empowering. Empowering. You have the ability to control what you say. You don't have to say what you fear. You don't have to say what you feel. You can say what you believe. Saying what you fear and what you feel has no power to transform your life. Saying what you believe has the rhema power of God, the anointed power of God to change your life. It's be transformed by renewing your mind. It's not just speaking whatever you feel, whatever you think, and just, just letting words just fall out of your mouth. Just say whatever, oh, you know how it is. You know, if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Well, guess what? That's what your life's going to look like. Because that's what you really believe. If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Oh man, you, you really need to get to know Jesus. Because when you get to know the person of Jesus, there's no such thing of luck. There's no such thing of luck. There's blessing of the Lord. It's the blessing of the Lord. We have to know the person of God, not just his qualities and his attributes, but the person of God. When we get to know the person of God, it will change how we see him. It will change how he sees us and we'll believe him. If God says you're awesome, guess what? You're stinking awesome. Your feelings can tell you different all day long, but God's still right. It might be true to you, but it's not the truth. The truth is what sets you free. It's the truth of what God says that sets us free, not how you feel. You're going to wake up many days and not feel awesome, not feel great. And like, oh, gosh, what do I got to do today? Oh, no, I forgot I got this appointment. I got to do this. That. Oh, I don't want to go smash that concrete or whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't want to do those, whatever you got to do at your job. I don't want to crawl in this building or fix electrical things. I don't want to teach these kids today. I don't want to do this and whatever it is. But the word of God over your life, no matter what you feel, is still true. I think he's at those pictures. I will show, I'll show them to you just for fun now that you, why don't you go ahead and put them up there. I got a thumbs up. Uh-oh. Is it thumbs down now? All right, just go ahead and put them up whenever you get them, even if it, you got one? Okay, so there's a, this is not Big Jake, but this is just a big horse, and you see this little tiny girl leading this, that's Big Jake there, he's big, and that's, I can't remember that little one's name, do you see, go back one, you see that little one underneath of it, that's one of the smallest horses in the world too, underneath it's not a dog, that's actually a little horse there, but, and, all right, and the next one, and that, oh, that's the Titanic one. That's the rudder. So if you look way down at the bottom here, I'll show you. 
That's a man right here. <laughs> you see that? Can you see that? that? That's 78 feet and change uh, tall, 15 feet plus deep. And uh, there's a Titanic and there's some of the ships today. Uh, quite a big difference. And all those are controlled by the rudder. So Proverbs 6, 2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Our words have the power to alter the course of our life. They have the power of life and death. And again, if you don't like how your life is going, we need to change what we're saying. Now, I'm not saying you start speaking something today, your life's going to be different tomorrow. It might take some time because what you're really changing is your beliefs. You're changing your beliefs. We can give God our heart all we want to. We might not see change. What you have to give him is your beliefs. God changes your beliefs. He changes your life. Amen? God changes your beliefs. It changes your life. What we need to do is yield our beliefs to God, and those things will change. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. It's our choice. And our choice, what we're going to say. You know, when you're frustrated, um, it's really easy to say the wrong thing, isn't it? This stupid thing, I hate this car. Oh my gosh, I just want to break it with a sledgehammer. Why can't the thing just work? This is just my confession. I don't know what you guys say, but <laughs> I'm just confessing my own sins right now. <laughs> but, but, uh, I mean, when you, when, you, when you have on a timeline and you expected to go start the car or something and just go do your thing and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, you were created to do this. Why aren't you doing it? But you got one job just to get me to the... Anyway, but um, God has to do a work in our heart of what we're saying. What we, it's one thing to joke like that, but if you say stuff like, that always happens to me, or why does this always happen to me, now you're believing a lie that's, that's from God. I mean, not from God, it's from the devil. You may have heard your parents say it, you may have heard your neighbors say it, but it doesn't matter who said it. If God didn't say it, it's a lie. It may be truth in your, it may be true in your life, but it's not the ultimate truth of God's word. So every day you're going to have a choice of what you're going to say. And uh, sometimes the fruit comes back many days. Like it says, cast your bread upon the waters. After many days, it'll come back to you. And so I think what we're living right now, what we're experiencing right now is what we've been saying years before. Okay. I remember, for example, um, I used to say, I never dream. I never have dreams. I just, just don't dream. I, and then one day God said, would you please stop saying that? I could almost sense like the, the little bit of frustration there, even though he loves you. But a dad can get frustrated with the kids sometimes, right? Still love you. Would you please stop saying that? That's the reason why you don't dream. Like, what do you mean? It's like, you don't dream because you keep saying you don't dream. You're cutting off the flow of my dreams. Like, all right. So I stopped saying that, and now I've had over 80 dreams that I've interpreted. That God's helped me interpret. I have on my computer. Same thing happened with my brother. He told me uh, that he, God told him to stop saying he doesn't feel anything in God's presence or he never hears God's voice and things like that. He goes, stop saying that. That's why you don't feel anything. That's why you don't hear my voice because you keep confessing you never do. You confess that you do. You're opening up like this whatever. You're, attract, you're definitely attracting angels because they hearken to the voice of God, the word of God, and the confessions of what God wants you to say. But I wonder how many other things in our life are the same way that they're not going quite the way they should go in our relationship with God or whatever, or in our marriage, in our whatever the case might be, is because we're hung by the tongue. We're our own self-profit. 
We're prophesying our own doom and gloom. We don't even need a devil. We just, we just let our own self loose with our own words and just say whatever we want to say. We're our own worst critic, our own worst curse. I'm telling you, you have to love yourself enough to speak good things over your life. You have to love your, let the love of God get in you enough that you're going to speak good things over your life. You're going to declare the works of God. You're going to declare, I'm not bound by fear. I'm not bound by this. I'm not bound by that. I'm not bound. I am the son and daughter of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. You have to agree with heaven to do heavenly things. Amen? And I believe God wants us to do this stuff. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. What is it saying? You speak what you believe. At abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. It's saying the same thing. But if we can change what's in the abundance of our heart by our meditation, our confession, and it comes into what God is saying, guess what? Your life is going to change. It will have no, it will have no choice but to change because your tongue is the rudder of your life. It's the reins of your life. It puts the bit in the, your horse, the mouth of the horse to steer your life which is the direction of your speaking. Now, if you hear me wrong, you can hear the people can take this to extreme. They can do this and that, whatever. Yeah, they can. And, and that's up to them. But guess what? I'm talking to you guys. I don't believe you'll do that. And if God tells you that, that you are supposed to be a millionaire, then you should be speaking it and not be embarrassed of it. If God says you're supposed to be this or that, whatever you're, whatever you're called to be, you should speak it. I don't see you have to walk around to people at work and, just, and, and talk like that. That'd be, that'd be kind of dumb. You don't cast your pearls before pigs. You don't do that. That's not wisdom. But in your alone, what you're trying to do is make you believe it. It doesn't matter if everybody else believes it. You've got to believe it. If you don't believe it, that's the problem. right? That's the biggest challenge was me believe what God's trying to tell me. And so in order for me to believe it, I've got to get this word repeatedly coming out of my mouth. That's what he told in the, in the Old Testament. As you walk along the road in the morning, as you walk along the road in the evening, tell these things to your, your children. Tell these things to them. Walk with them. Tell them the things of God. Tell them the promise of God. And guess what? As they keep hearing it, morning and evening, guess what? They're going to believe what their dad is saying. And as you keep saying these things, you're going to believe what your father is saying over you, and then the, the supernatural things are going to just become normal to you. Like, I wonder why this was such a problem before. I wonder why I couldn't do those things before. You know, it's our beliefs. So think about this. Um, okay, ships are very large. They carry a lot of cargo. Um, they carry automobiles, tractor, trailer loads of goods, of stuff. They carry many pastures. But there's only one captain of the ship. And once that, you know, you may be in charge of your car that's on that ship. You may be in charge of a tractor, trailer load of stuff. You may be captain of another ship. But once you come on to that ship, it doesn't matter if you're the captain of another ship. Once you come on that ship, the captain is the captain. He's the one in charge. And the steering wheel is connected to the rudder, and only one person has access to the steering wheel, and that is the captain. So even though the rudder is relatively small compared to the ship, it still has the power to control that whole ship. When, when we bring our, say you have your own car, your own automobile, your own life and ministry, what you're called to do, when you bring your ship, your automobile, onto his ship, what we need to do is now yield to the Lordship of Christ and then let him steer the direction of our life by speaking the things he wants us to say. Yeah. It really is humility. That's humility. Humility is not calling yourself bad names. Humility, that's, that's demonic. That's not heavenly minded. That's not, that's not, if it's not in heaven, it's not supposed to be in your life. 
you think you're going to walk around heaven calling yourself a dirty worm and things like that? God's like, get over here. No, Steve wouldn't do that. But you're like, come on, son. don't, don't, you're not a worm. You were created, in, you look just like me. You're created like me. Like, you just, just kidding. That was a joke. But, um, but he, well, you will not be allowed to talk like that. And so if you're not going to talk like that in heaven, why would we want to talk like that now? You are, you are right now, present tense, seated with him in heavenly places. And you're here at the same time. So why not agree with him right now? He's speaking into your ear. You, this is who you are. This is your destiny. This is your calling. It doesn't matter. You're not seeing this right now. This is who you are. This is what you're born to do. This is what your children are born to do. This is your heritage. This is your inheritance. This is what you're supposed to do. And as you come into agreement with him, you speak it out loud, and it, it helps, it helps co- set the course of your life. And it works in the opposite, too, in a negative way, which we already know about, so I won't talk about that. So, um, again, I was taught a lot of things not to say growing up. You know, don't lie, cheat, you know, steal, stuff. And all good things to teach. And I didn't do any of them perfectly. I just, I didn't. But um, one of the things I maybe wasn't taught as much as I could have been is what to stay, say instead. So I made this love confession this week. I went through every verse in the New Testament. I felt like God told me to do this. Every verse in the New Testament that talks about love or love of God and make a confession out of those verses. So just relax. There's not, there's not as many as you might think because sometimes the love is like, um, you know, love your brother or, or, or there's a lot of them are repetitive. But I do have some. We'll go through some of them today. But I want you to just, not just to say these things with me. I really want you to believe them. And I really feel like God wants you to believe them. I feel like God's pleading with us Please, believe my word. It's impossible for me to lie. I'm not a man that I change my mind. Do I speak and then not act? Do I promise and not fulfill? It's impossible for God to lie. When he speaks, he means it. He doesn't apologize later. He's not, you know, he doesn't, his gifts and callings are without repentance. He means what he's saying over your life. So if you guys will stand, if you, I think those are, are they ready for us back there, John Ray? And I put these in first person because it's easy to believe that God loves us. Sometimes harder to believe that God loves me. And that's what you have to believe. If you don't believe God loves you, how are you going to believe that God wants good things for your life? Amen? So, uh, you go back to the first one. Um, if you need to go at a slower pace, if you need to, if one really hits you and you feel like because this isn't just an exercise. What the, the goal is to believe. To believe. We've given God our hearts. Now we want to give him our beliefs. God, I'm supposed to believe these things, but sometimes I don't. And the more we say them out of our mouth, the more we will. So uh, if you want to read along, if you, want to, if you get one that really hits you, you want to meditate on that, that's fine. But God so loved me that he gave his son Jesus to die in my place. And now I have everlasting life. Jesus loves me, and I abide in his love. Father God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Let's just stop on that one for a minute. You can go back and read that. I can email this to you guys, whatever. There's no copyright on or anything. This is to bless the people. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, but God, Father God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. I'm telling you, that takes faith to say it. it takes faith to say that. All right, next one. 
The love with which the Father loved Jesus is in me, and Jesus is in me. The love of God for me and others has been poured out in my heart by Holy Spirit, who is given to me. God loves me so much that even while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Do you feel? Do you feeling? I hope you, okay, hope you can read and feel at the same time, because we're wanting to really receive them. Uh, yeah, thank you. All things work together for my good because God loves me. Nothing can separate me from God's love. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me. Guys, no matter how you feel, this is who you are. It's who you are. Remember the apple tree? It might not see all those fruit hanging on your tree right now, but the apple tree is still an apple tree because God called it an apple tree. This is who you are. My eyes have not seen, my ears have not heard or entered my heart the things God has prepared for me because he loves me. I am known and loved by God. The love and peace of God is with me. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. The fruit of the spirit of love is growing in me. God, who is rich in mercy, made me alive together with Christ because of his great love for me. Amen. Amen. Next one. I am rooted and grounded in God's love for me. I know and experience Christ's love for me and am filled with the fullness of God. Christ loves me and gave himself for me. Peace, love, and faith are mine through God, my Father, and my Lord Jesus Christ. I am comforted by Jesus' love for me. I have been translated into the kingdom of Jesus, the son of his love. I now live in the kingdom of love. How do you like that? I now live in the kingdom of love. That's good. Uh, I put on love. The peace of God rules my heart, and I am thankful. I put on the breastplate of faith and love, and the hope of my salvation is my helmet. The Lord Jesus leads my heart into love of God and the patience of Christ. That's a good one to say, amen, especially on some of those days, the patience of Christ. I love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. God has given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards me has appeared. By his mercy, he saved me. The Father has bestowed his love on me and called me his child. I love with actions and with truth. I am born of God and love my brothers. God so loved and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for my sins. God so loves me, I love others. I love my brothers. Love has been perfected in me, and you abide in me. This last one. God's perfect love for me casts out my fear. I love because he first loved me. Mercy, peace, and love are multiplied to me. Now as you take these in your quiet time at home alone, you spend time with God, maybe put on some quiet worship music or something, and just meditate on these things, who you really are, who, how God really feels about you, it will change your beliefs. It will change your heart. It will change your level of peace. It will change your level of joy. It will change your expectations when you pray as we see yourself how God sees you. Amen? 
Amen. I want to pray for you guys and dismiss you. God, we want to know you in the power of your resurrection. We want to stop saying dead, empty words, idle words. We want to stop word cursing ourselves with um, death words, words that are not filled with life. We want to yield like the broken horse and allow you to be the rider to steer what we say. To steer what we say, not let our emotions steer what we say, our feelings, our fears, anxieties to steer what we say, but let you put the bridle, the bit, excuse me, the bit in our mouths and help steer and correct what we say. Lord, we just teach us to speak your word, to pray your word, and to believe it that you really love us. It's not a, a mystery, it's not a pretend thing, it's really you love us and you demonstrate it for us. So God, I pray your blessing on each one today. I pray you touch them in a special way that they can believe the love of God. We just thank you for loving us, Jesus. You are really awesome. Just praise your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. If you want a copy of that, I don't have one with me right now, but I can print them or email them to you, and uh, you can have some. So God bless you guys. You are dismissed.